greetings in Jesus' name. <clears throat> the one we come here to worship because we love him, because we serve him. And you know, he wants to build his church, and he does it in many unique ways. But this is one also where we, we know the Lord <clears throat> is very much interested in the future of his bride. And being that we're part of that bride, we know he has interest in this work. And so we don't come here with just curiosity. We come here to participate in worship. And that is Holy Spirit lead us. So I'm confident that you've come here tonight praying, diligently seeking and the Spirit's leading in this important work. I don't think you can pray too much for something of this magnitude for God's direction to lead us. How many of you have heard about Ezekiel 22:30? Does that ring any bells to you? Some of you are nodding your heads. I think it's an interesting verse. Now, Israel was in a deplorable state, which I do not believe we're in, but we could get there if we do not follow the paths of the Lord. And he said, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Now, I'll read a couple verses before that because that's a sad state. To realize that God Almighty would look down in among a nation and say, You know, I'm looking for one man that's willing to have enough fortitude to stand and amount to something for me, to speak for me. And he said, I can't find one. That's, that's, that's terrible. Verse 28. And the prophets have dubbed them with untempered, untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not, when the Lord hath not spoken, the people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and the needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me, before the land, that I should not destroy it. And I found none. Here he said, I sought for a man. I might say that a number of times this evening, that God's seeking for a man. And I'm talking about a brother, okay? I want you to know in case you think I'm down the down, down scale of the, the magnitude where he's looking for a brother. <clears throat> I firmly believe that God has brethren among us to stand in the gap. I firmly believe it. But it takes a unique type of man. Not just any man is willing to do and to stand the way God do. But I think if we're following God that that can happen today. Some years later, not too many years later, God was still looking. In Jeremiah 5, verse 1, it says, Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now, and know, and seek in the broad places thereof, if you can find a man, and if there be any that execute judgment, and seeketh truth, and I will pardon it. <clears throat> so God was searching there. Thousands of years ago. And you know, he's still searching. And that could be a very discouraging position. Think. 
that God is looking down among us and can't find one man to stand up for his cause. You know what? I hope every ordained brother in here says, I want to be that man. I want to be that man. It doesn't mean you're wanting to be bishop. I'm just saying you want to be that man, a spokesman for God, okay? And, um, and I wanted to prepare my heart for this major work before us. We're not looking for a perfect man. And some of these verses I'm about to read, <clears throat> they have some phrases in there that, well, they, they make you very humble. I'll just put it that way. Because if you look in the mirror, you say, I do not qualify. Okay? But he's looking for a man that's truly committed. Totally committed. And uh, he's not looking for a brother that doesn't have any flaws or weaknesses. That uh, you don't look in the mirror properly. Okay? But he's looking for a man with sincerity and humility and walk before God in a way that uh, lets people know that this man is truly sold out for the Lord and that's expected among his people today. And in fact, that's going to be the way people live today that are going to be part of that blameless practice. <clears throat> now, we need to look to keep things in proper context. 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 7. Mm. 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 7. Look at these qualifications. And I know a lot of times we go over and spend a lot of time doing that to see uh, a lot of times. But we will not do that this evening. But we still want to look at them because I know this is, um, this is a level that God wants us to strive toward, okay? And you know, if you say, well, that's just way over me, well, that could be true. But if you're not striving for it, you'll never, you'll never reach a goal that you aren't striving for. It's, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires the good work. A bishop must be blameless. There has been one wife, vigilant, sober, a good, a, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Not given to wine, not a striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One that ruleth well his own home, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how will she take care of the church of God? Not a novice. That's being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, must be a of good report of them which are without, lest they fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So we here we see a man, and this is a well-rounded brother. This man is just, you know, he is following the Lord in a vigilant way. Because I looked at that thing blameless, and it just means blameless, okay? Unreproachable. And I thought, well, this, I surely could find some loopholes here, but no, there's really none there. Uh, so that means he's sincere about his walk with God. Very sincere. Now, that doesn't mean he does never do anything that's uh, fault-worthy. But, you know, he is humble enough to say sorry or that I did it wrong. And then it goes on to say, husband and one wife, vigilant, sorry, I tell you, good behavior. I mean, you know, this is normal for him. He is a wonderful, dynamic Christian. His house is open. 
He's given the hospitality. He invests in people. He's apt to teach. He's always low-keyed. I didn't read that in there, but something close to that. You know, he's, he's, he can handle strife without getting catching too much of the current of the environment, okay? He can handle that. Wow. He cares about his home much. He rules his home well. Well, this is the, uh, spoken a little bit more of, and a lot of this is redundant in First uh, Timothy, not First Timothy, Titus 1, verses 5 to 9. Kind of repeats this, but it, it also lets us know the gravity of the position. Mm-hmm. He's looking for a man that takes his Christian walk very sincerely. That's what I get from this. And it says, Titus 1, verse 5, For this cause I left in Crete that, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I have appointed thee. And if any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of right, of right or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless, there it is again, as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, not a striker, not given to filthy lucre, not a lover, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word of God as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayer. Now that's a high calling there. That, and it's the same, a lot the same as it was. You know, he, he's a man of God that is controlled by the Holy Spirit. That is on a regular basis. He's controlled. He is not given to the American dream of wanting to accumulate more and more. But he loves good people. He, he migrates to, to holy, committed saints. His, his best friends are people that are very spiritual and upbuilding. And he's willing to hold forth the word of life. Hold forth the scripture and stand on it. You know, he, this man needs to have tremendous qualities. And if you don't have them, I have seen some ordained and get them after they're ordained, okay? Now, we don't like to do that, but uh, I've seen people grow tremendously after they're ordained, and I am one. I mean, I'm not saying I've grown to, but I haven't made significant strides after I'm ordained, and praise God that we can. Because, but we must be sold out in loyalty, a loyal for Jesus. A bishop gets a good bit of... Uh, of opportunities to show fortitude. <clears throat> this is not a position for the faint of heart. This is not a position for one that uh, does not know the word and does not know how to explain the biblical positions that we're facing today. Because it says there, you know, he must be able by sound doctrine. And so we need to be those that are sound doctrine and walking closely with the Lord. Now, the first couple points here, I'm going to, we're going to talk about these qualities. I'm going to talk about what it takes to have these qualities. And it's kind of like instruction class. Actually, you may have found out, you as leaders, and I've been challenged by this myself, sometimes the basic spiritual disciplines on our Christian walk get challenged by our busyness. 
Yeah, we're busy going to meetings, busy visiting people, busy doing good things. And you know what? All of a sudden, there's an encroachment on our spiritual walk. You find that out? It's happened to me. And where it says in Colossians 3, verses 15 to 17, it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which you have also called to one body, and be ye thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonish one another, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, do in word or deed, do all to the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. <clears throat> we all want peace in our hearts and we need it. Actually, you can, you, we cannot be good leaders being in constant turmoil and uh, disturbed all the time. And so that's why we need to have our focus on Jesus and the word and not on the local news. Because the local news can be very disturbing. It can be. And unless you realize again and again and again, my kingdom is not of this world, but it's above. It's from God. And then if that's the case, actually the local news will lose some of its interest. And we won't be people of the newspaper. And it says, so, so we let the word of God dwell in us richly. Word, dwell means what? Inhabit. So if, the, if, the, if, if I am going to be resident and in inhabiting the word of God, i got to walk with Jesus. i got to read the word. Like the psalmist said, day and night he meditates on the word. This brother is saturated with the word of God. It's his anchor for his life. It's his pillar and it's rock. And he's stable. And he's sound. And you know what? God says, I'm looking for a man and I'm going to find one. I'm going to find one and I don't question. There's many of them here. And he said, the word of God's going to dwell in you richly. That means abundantly. That my, this man is loving the Lord, loving the word, and it's just a natural outflowing. When you work and you go around this brother, he is constantly bringing Jesus into his conversation. What a wonderful person. He loves walking and talking with Jesus. He loves walking and talking about Jesus. And his life will show in a fervent devotional life and the reading of the word and his spiritual bread will be the compass of his life and you can tell it. He oozes of the love for Jesus and knowledge of the word. This brother will also have a real dependence that God is looking for and he's going to find him. He's going to find him. Have a real dependence on the Lord for guidance and wisdom because he realizes without Jesus, his life is meaningless. And it's easy for a leader to get some experience and get around knowledgeable people and feel like they can handle things and we can't handle more on our own. We all got to constantly remember that. Where it says in Hebrews 4, 16, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that you may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. I thank God that our Lord wants us to come before him morning, noon, and night. There's no time that he is not waiting for us to come to him. He says, so God, I want you to come. You know what? God knows how much we need him, and he knows how much we depend on him by how much we come to him in prayer. 
Our prayer life is critically important. And I think that's one of the weakest things that some of us men have. I'm, I'm acknowledging one of my weaknesses. That, you know, it's just, it's so hard to find a good amount of time of prayer every day. But we need him every day. We need him every day. No wonder James said in James 1 verses 4 to 6 that patience have a perfect work, perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. This, this word perfect and blameless, this is interesting. You know, you can be perfect before Jesus. You can be complete, wanting nothing. That's our good God. And that's the way God's man, he's going to find one that does this. And if any man, and maybe you should say all men like wisdom would be more accurately, but if any man like wisdom, let him ask of God and that give it to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, but he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea and driven with the wind and tossed. I thank God he has a plan for every struggle we go through. He has a beautiful conclusion to every struggle the church goes through. And if, if we are just humble enough to say, Lord, help me be what I need to be to bring your proper solution he will work mighty wonders. He has done that for us. God is looking for a man that puts him first in his daily walking devotions and on his knees in prayer. And God's going to find one. He, I hope he finds many. I hope he finds many. He's still looking for that man that says, look, I don't have the solutions, but we know if we band together as a brotherhood, you will give us the solutions we need because there's inroads coming in, there's temptations coming in, and we need your victory. We need your strength. 2 Timothy 2 verse 22 says, flee also youthful lust. Is that apt for today? Flee also youthful lust. But follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. God's looking for a man that's totally dependent. Says, look, I'm going to stay away from the allurements of the flesh. I'm going to stand against it. I'm going by your grace, Lord. I am not going to even be let it. I'm, I hate it. I abhor it. God is looking for a man that hates youthful lust. And he, want, he loves righteousness. He's a man of faith. He can move out and say, look. We don't know what God has planned, but I know he wants us to move forward in faith because we're part of a church that's going to be conquering. It's going to be overcoming. And we can't, we can't stay and stagnate in any place in Plateau. He says, look, there's, there's higher ground to go. And you know what? Men of faith move on. God's going to find a man of faith. But he's got to put the things that have tamper him and drag him down aside and say, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to maintain a holy walk. I'm fervent about this. I want to bless the kingdom of God. He's going to find that man. He's going to find that man. Yes. He will love truth. He will love it. Bible truths, not worldly knowledge. Philippians 2 verses 14 to 16 says, and I want to read verse 16 first. 
And when I wrote this up, I did not know that was in our Sunday school lesson this morning, okay? So you might think, well, he just read his Sunday school lesson and found a nice verse. No, I found this verse first in the Sunday school lesson come up and then later, okay? It says, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Jesus Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. And I praise God, a man of God that lives by the word of life and lives by the Holy Spirit and is inspired by him, he is not running in vain. His life is blessed by God. It's a life of purpose, and you can tell it. He has joy, he has purpose, and he's moving on with Jesus. And you know what? Good brethren rally around him. Good brethren rally around him. And that's what he wants. Now he says, he starts out, I'll read Philippians 2, verses 14 to 16. It says, do all things without murmuring and disputes. Disputings, okay? That's a good thing for the brotherhood to remember and ministers too, okay? Now, why he said that, I'm not really sure, other than he need us to remind us that you know what? The devil still wants us to murmur and complain. Yes, your church is not perfect. Guess what? You and I are in it. <laughs> you know, and it's not perfect. And is there bad? Is there things that you wish would change? I hope so. I hope you see that. Is there good things? Yes, there's a lot of good things. We can praise God for that. But let's don't be, let's don't be specializing and always murmuring and complaining. Now, we always like these good results, but look, we have to be that way that you may be blameless. And that's a different word than the blameless in Timothy and Titus. This means irreproachable. And, that, and it's also uh, translated faultless, unblameable. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shines as lights in this world, holding fast the word of life that I may holding fast the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. This brother will promote Bible principles over opinions. Too many times we are tempted that our opinion is right. <laughs> and it's just an opinion. But, when, but God spare us the weakness of going on our opinions against Bible principles. Okay, brethren? When Bible principles are brought forth, forget the opinions. We all have them. Let's stand on the word. God is looking for a man that's solid in the Bible. Amen? And that he is going to, you know, we all have opinions. we got to put them away when the Bible says something. Let's stand. God is going to come for that church that stands on his word. And if we start going down the path of letting opinions uh, rule our decisions, we won't be part of that bride when he comes. And we got to be careful about this. It says in Philippians 2, verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights. I praise God that when Christian people live for him and follow him faithfully, they will, they will be misunderstood, but they can explain from the Bible their position and why they're doing what they're doing. And you know what? They will be without fault before God. Before God. Yes, and that's very important. So we want to be that kind of man. 
This man might be unpopular with some people. But he will live and keep the Bible. He'll live and breathe and keep the Bible away. His highest goal was always to please God in his life and in the church. He will not cave in to the down drag of lukewarmness, but in gentleness, with firmness, stand up against drift. Friends, we've got to be open to the fact that the church of God has a lot of good in it, but there is also inroads today into the church of God. And it says in Galatians 1, verses 10 to 12, For I do, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I, I certify you, brethren, that the, the gospel which was preached to me is not of men, for I have neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, look, I'm telling you, he said, I set him, Paul set at the feet of, went to out in the feet of Jesus for, I think it was 14 years. And he said, you know what? When you're led of God, you don't worry about pleasing men. I do think there is something to be said about being concerned about pleasing godly men. I think there's a lot to be said about that. But he said, I'm not going to let them drag me down. He said, I'm here to please God, to preach the word of God. And you know what? I praise God. There's godly men among us that stand up. And you know what? We should support them. We should encourage them. They might see something we don't see. That's okay. Certain times you see things earlier, and certain times other people see earlier. But let's band around those people that are seeking to please God from their heart. That's how we build each other up. It's also said in Colossians 3, verses 22 to 25. He said, don't be like men pleasers. Jesus was a good example of this, where he said in Matthew twenty-two fifteen, 15, and when the Pharisees, and then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk, and they set out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man. Wouldn't you like, do you like being like Jesus? We extol so many things about Jesus. Now, I'm not saying this is, what, this is not what we push for. But he's saying, look, when the opposers are not going for the word of God, he said, I'm going to stand with God. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. God is looking for more men that will stand and say, look, when there's things coming in, I'm going to stand. I, this is rock solid. This is the word of God. And we're making decisions that there's Bible principles on that we must stand on. And God will bless the man. He will bless the church that operates under, this, under these principles. He will bless them. It brings stability. It brings unity. And it, bless, it brings the blessing of God. Well, a good example of this is in Acts 20. Acts 20, I'd like to look at a few verses there. Where it says, there's a number of things in this passage just challenge me to the core. So I hope it encourages you in your heart. It says, therefore I have not shunned to declare unto you all the whole counsel of God. Now I don't know how you feel, preachers, how you've done. 
But when I look at my list of things, I will admit grace and brotherhood and church life and relations seem to top the list that is spoken. I like to talk about good marriages too. I did that today. You know, and these things, you know, they're just, they're, 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 not, they're, they're needed and they're necessary. But God speaks to me sometimes, and I have not spoken on the wrath of God for a long time. I have not had a full sermon on hell probably for five or six years. I have not, you know, how about holiness and nonconformity? Where's that at anymore? See, the pendulum tends to swing. And I think maybe we're swinging one way that we all think about. Check your list, brother. Check your list. You know, or what are we saying? If we're going to be those that please God and not man, we're going to have a balanced diet for our sheep. And they need to be encouraged. And warning is good encouragement. Warning is good encouragement. And he said, you know, God is looking for a man that's willing to stand up and preach the whole counsel of God. He's looking for a man. And you know what? I think he's planning on finding one. I think he's planning on finding one. Now I'd like to go back and read uh, verse 17 and 18. And when they had come unto him, he said, You know, the matter, sorry, uh, wrong column. And, and seven, verse 17 and 18, from Miletus and from Ephesus, and he called the elders of the church. And when they came to him, he said to them, you know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you in all seasons. So he said, this man lives a transparent life. I've lived with you in all seasons. This is the kind of brother that the more you know about his life, the more you appreciate him. I know some people said, you know, when I got around that man, I really found out what he's made of. Yeah, you will. Uh, God is looking for men that their everyday life is transparent before God. And if you would know it and walk with them, you'd think more of them when you knew them all, everything they do. Verses 19 to 32. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which follow me from the, by the lying in wait of the Jews. And they all kept nothing back that was profitable to you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jew and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, brethren, I go bound in the spirit of Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions about abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsels of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers and feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my, after my departing shall 
Grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things that draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that they by the space of that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every night one night and day with tears. Now, brethren, I commend you to the God and to the word of grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. Now, there's a lot in here, and I'm not gonna <clears throat> I'm not gonna expound near all the deep truths in here, but I'd like us to look at a number of things in verses 19 to 21 that he was willing to show to know his people and to sacrifice his own personal time and care. He was given to hospitality where it says there he went publicly, he taught them publicly and from house to house. I don't know if Paul was a tent maker in this, <laughs> in this occasion, but you know, I really feel like good leaders uh, try and strive to know their people well. They invest in their people and it takes time. And it takes a lot of hospitality. It takes an open heart and it takes time and effort. Yes, they are those that willing are willing to make other things subservient to their calling. So what a privilege. What a privilege to encourage our people. Yes, and there's several uh, characteristics then from verse 19 to 32. I'd like to look at that to encourage us to show the person is a champion for Jesus. And he operated from a heart of humility and care and compassion. Verses 19 to 21 uh, is what I spoke about already. And so he cared about them personally. His life was bound by the Spirit. Bound by the Spirit. Now I love, we love when the Spirit leads us. But it's another thing to be bound by the Spirit. And the bind is to tie up, to hold together, attach. This man, he lives by the Holy Spirit. And so he's willing to move forward and say and do, irregardless, even if his life is at stake. Maybe we should say our reputation. Because it's not our life. It might be our reputation. But he's willing to say and speak up, even if there's misunderstandings. And even if he knows people might not like it. He's willing to say it in love and care and compassion. He is compassionate and courageous. And God's going to find that man. God's going to find that man. Verse 28 to 32. There's a lot of good there. There's about, there's about the Holy Spirit. But God is looking for a man that is willing to be an overseer, a watchman, not an overlooker. You know the difference? It is easy for us to be tempted to overlook things that are carnal, that are worldly, and that are disobedient. God is looking for a man that cares about those things. He's still looking for that man. And I think he can find one for willing to be that way. He's willing that, that he, he's going to shepherd the flock with tenderness, but not compromise. He's a man of conviction. He's with compassion and care willing to encourage, willing to walk beside the weak and the ones that don't seem to understand, but it's going to stand on biblical principles and it's going to uphold our brotherly agreements. 
that's being challenged, friends. And I tell you, God is looking for a man that's going to stand. A man that cares. Because he said there's going to be some perverse things come amongst you. And woe unto us, I hope it's not happening to us today, but people that too distort, perverse is too distort. And he said there's going to be people distorting. And you know what? You can distort the scripture and go off on tangents and we get unbalanced. He said this man's going to be balanced. He's going to care. And he's going to warn. And that's to put into mind and to caution. Now, I don't know if you like warning people. You know, because that means you're seeing something that you care about. I don't know if you like that, but if we're going to remain a church that is holy and that God blesses, we're going to have to be a people that's willing to warn the inroads of Satan. We're going to have to be that. Thank God that he's going to find men among us that are going to be people that warn. Now, I don't know if you appreciated Paul, but he, what if he come to Southeastern Conference and he warned us day and night for three years? Would you love him? Would you think he's a man of God? I've heard people give a warning every other month and they get accused of riding, uh, riding hobby horses. You know what? God, if there's going to be a man, and I, don't, and I tell you, it's got to be balanced with a lot of love and compassion. But there is sure need and opportunity for warning today. God is going to find a man that when he sees things coming in, he's going to warn his people because he wants blood on his hands. A man that doesn't warn when he sees things sits in a woeful position. He needs a good balance, encouraging, striving to upbuild, persistent in carrying a heart. Where it says in Colossians 1, 27 to 29, to whom God would make known unto you the riches of his glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Jesus Christ. Wherefore is our labor, striving to his working, which worketh in me mightily. God wants this type of man, this type of man that cares enough to stand up and warn in a kind way. I read a prayer not too long ago written by A.W. Tozer. That's my heart. It was his heart. And it's my heart. And I hope it's your heart. I'm going to read part of it. It's kind of long. And I know reading is boring, but listen closely to grasp the heart of a man that cares. And I hope you can say, this is, what, this is my prayer. This is my prayer. God is looking for a man that this would be the prayer. And he goes, and he said... O oh Lord, I have heard thy voice and was afraid. Thou hast called me to an awesome task in a grave and perilous hour. Thou art able to shake all nations and the earth and also heaven. And if things that cannot be shaken may remain, O oh Lord my God, thou hast stooped to honor me to be thy servant. No man liketh this, no man taketh this honor upon himself, save he that is called of God, as was Aaron. I'm going to leave out some things that are not quite pertinent to the, to the subject matter. But this, and so I'm going to leave out a little bit. May God, my God, I shall not waste time deploring my weakness and my unfitness for the work. 
The responsibility is not mine, but thine. Thou hast said, I knew thee, I ordained thee, I sanctified thee. And thou hast also said, Thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Who am I to argue with thee or call into question thy sovereign choice? The decision is not mine, but thine. So thy will not mine be done. Well, do I know, thou God of the prophets and the apostles, that as long as I honor thee, thou honor me. Help me, therefore, to take this solemn vow to honor thee in all my future life and labors, whether by gain or by loss, by life or by death, and then to keep that vow unbroken while I live. As it is time, O God, for thee to work, for the enemy has entered into thy pastures, and the sheep are torn and scattered. A false and false prophets abound who deny the danger and laugh at the perils which surround thy flock. I beseech thee, give me sharp eyes to detect the presence of the enemy. Give me understanding to see and courage to report what I see faithfully. May my voice be so like thine that even the sick sheep will recognize it and follow thee. Now, Jesus. Lord, I come to thee for spiritual preparation. Lay thy hand upon me. Anoint me with the oil of the, New, of the New Testament prophet. Forbid that I should become a religious scribe and thus lose my prophetic calling. Save me from the curse that lies dark across the, across the face of modern clergy and the curse of compromise, of imitation, and professionalism. Lay thy terror upon me, O God. And drive me to the place of prayer where I may wrestle with principalities and powers and rulers of the, of, the, of the darkness of this world. Deliver me from overeating and late sleeping. Teach me self-discipline that I may be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So this gets close, huh? I accept hard work and small rewards in this life. <clears throat> I ask no easy place. I shall try to be blind to the little ways that make life easier. And now, O Lord of heaven and earth, I consecrate my remaining days to thee. Let them be many or few, as thou wilt. Let me stand before the great or the minister, or minister to the poor and lowly. That choice is not mine. I will not influence it if I could. I am thy servant to do thy will. And that will is sweeter to me than position or riches or fame. And I choose it above all things on earth or in heaven. Though I have chosen, though I am chosen of thee and honored by a high and holy calling, let me never forget that I am but a man of dust and ashes, a man with all natural faults and passions that plague the race of men. I pray thee, therefore, my Lord and Redeemer, save me from myself and from all the injuries I do myself while trying to become a blessing to others. Fill me with thy power and thy Holy Spirit, and I will go in the strength and tell of thy righteousness, even thine alone, even thine only. I will spread abroad the message of redeeming love while my normal powers endure. Then, dear Lord, when I am old and weary, 
and too tired to go on, have a place ready for me above, and make me to be numbered with the saints in glory everlasting. Amen and amen. In the last verse in Acts 20, verse 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among those, all those who are sanctified.